Hello. We've some more Bible history on Search for Truth Radio today involving Israel's position in God's plan of salvation for mankind. It's great to have you with us and thanks for tuning in. Now, as usual, we'll look into the Bible with our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston, to understand how in God's mercy, the non-Jewish nations were brought to share in the opportunity to receive God's redemption and forgiveness of sins through Christ's death upon the cross. This series of studies is called Our God Reigns, the Awesome Sovereignty of God. So now for another fascinating look into the Bible to see the sovereign awesome power and control which God commands over the nations to bring about his divine will. Here's Brian. Thanks, John. God's good news of salvation was always intended to be for the Jew first, but it was never intended to be for the Jew only. The martyrdom of Stephen, as recorded in Acts chapter 7, was a crisis in the post-Pentecost period. Jerusalem witnessed no public miracle after that, only Peter's nocturnal release from prison. The Spirit of God had descended at Pentecost in manifest power, and although large numbers had afterwards believed, there was no national repentance. The Son of God had interceded for those who'd rejected him, but rejection of the Spirit of God was unacceptable. Jerusalem was ground zero of the gospel rejection that spread outwards among Jews as the effects of gospel preaching widened, when Paul, rather than Peter, would become its chief evangelist. God shook the Philippian jail when Paul was imprisoned overnight there, but heaven was conspicuously silent when he was later confined in Rome, awaiting Nero's pleasure. At that stage, the gospel was being disseminated globally from the heart of the empire. It was after Paul had drawn a clear line in the sand, as recorded in Acts chapter 28. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. And with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. As the apostolic era came to an end, this signaled a sea change. The phase of Jewish precedence or primacy was over. When the Jews rejected the message, the signs and wonders ceased. From the time of the Exodus, and when they'd occurred for a limited period afterwards, they'd always been a witness to the Jewish people. As the thrust of global evangelism turned outward to the Gentile world, the signs and wonders ceased towards the end of the apostolic era. The gospel was no longer in its Jew-first mode. This was all in God's programming of events. Isaiah and Joel 
had spoken of the signs by which God would testify to his ancient people. Signs had occurred before, of course. The sign of tongues was first a reference to the foreign language spoken by the Babylonians, through whom God spoke in judgment to his people Israel. Thousands upon thousands of Jews had been reached with Christianity, but it could never be all Israel who would receive this revelation of the arm of the Lord, for Israel nationally was destined to stumble. That fact was included in their destiny. At the beginning of the 25th chapter of Jeremiah the prophet, there stands recorded the first Gentile date in the whole Bible, and that is the first year of Nebuchadnezzar. What had happened? Why the sudden Gentile time reference? God's chosen people Israel had stumbled and fallen away from faith and privilege. Chronic disobedience had robbed them of special nation status, and so had begun the time of the Gentiles. This date in the 7th century BC, unheralded as it is in history, is in reality one of the most significant dates in history. God revealed to the Bible prophet Daniel its enormous significance. We don't learn about it in school, but this date is of the utmost importance. For Israel had been relegated from the top spot in world affairs, starting with Babylonians, then Medo-Persians and the Greeks, no less than four mighty empires would hold sway over the world while Israel would languish. However, God wasn't finished with Israel, and he still isn't. The good news for Jews was that a future king of David's dynasty would restore Israel's fortunes sometime way in the future. This was all made known in advance through the Bible prophet Daniel. But the way back wouldn't be a smooth one. Israel would fail to recognise her deliverer, her Messiah. Isaiah, the prophet, has spelt this out most clearly in his 53rd chapter. The Apostle Peter takes up words from Psalm 118 and showed Israel was destined to reject her Messiah at first sight. It would be rejection at first sight. The cross was no mistake or accident, nor was it without meaning for God. On the contrary, all God's purposes depended on the cross. Here are the Apostle Peter's words, taken from his first Bible letter, chapter 2, verse 6. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In order to bring in the Gentiles, it was within God's sovereign plan that Israel would be disobedient. Peter here is quoting the Bible prophet Hosea. God's command to Hosea was most challenging. He was told to marry a prostitute. 
Even then, it seems likely that she didn't reform her ways. There may have been a cruel irony in the name of the third mentioned child after their marriage. It was Lo-Ami, meaning not my people. Perhaps this son was not really the son of Hosea, but of another man. Perhaps even the appearance of the child made it evident. The message God had to deliver to Israel through Hosea was hard enough, but God also made Hosea to live it. If this is correct, then the one who was no son was commanded by God to be taken as a son. And so the meaning was God's unfaithful people Israel, who had made themselves not to be God's people, would, in God's amazing grace, be taken again as his people. Hosea's words had meaning for Hosea's own family life, but they also had meaning for the fate of the nation of Israel. They would go as captives into Babylon, but would return again to Jerusalem. But there's still more. By the Spirit of God, the Apostle Peter applies the text globally. What he's saying is that Gentiles were once not God's people, but those to whom Peter was writing had, by God's grace, become God's people. What does that mean for Israel now? The Apostle Paul takes up this question, Romans 11 verse 1. I ask then, he says, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. In effect, Paul is saying God had temporarily rejected Israel, but not absolutely. They were only set aside for a definite period in God's sovereign dealings with them. For what reason? Verse 11 tells us, Through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Notice there, it's rejection of Israel followed by acceptance of Israel once again. And between their being rejected and their being accepted again lies the whole church age that we're living in. A period when God's offer of salvation is being preached to the whole and mainly Gentile world. So Israel's rejection by God has blessed the Gentiles. And Paul implies that Israel's future acceptance by God will bring even greater blessings. He signs off by emphasising God's sovereignty. He says a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience so that he may have mercy on all. And here in finishing, we join with the Apostle Paul in saying, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God.
Thanks Brian for your talk. Now do remember that these study talks are available to download online or as a transcript book. And here's how to obtain the book. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. If you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book, just write in and ask for the title Our God Reigns. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. It's been a delight to enjoy the pleasure of your company today, and I do hope you enjoyed today's study. I look forward to seeing you again next time when the title of Brian's talk is Managing the World. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, may God richly bless you.